We're going to close our series this morning that we've been uh, speaking on, Ready or Not, Rapture to Revelation. And this uh, morning sermon is titled, Millennial Kingdom to the Great White Throne Judgment. We've been talking about end time events, what the Bible describes in the book of Revelation, and in other places such as Ezekiel, the book of Daniel, the book of Isaiah, many prophecies have foretold the days ahead. And I've also mentioned to you that as believers, we should know where we're going. What direction are we going? Lord, where are you taking us? What is this heaven thing? Why are there so many movies out there right now touching on the topic of heaven? Have you noticed that? And it's not by accident. It's not by accident at all. I believe it's truly the Holy Spirit speaking in the last days to people, calling out the unbeliever through the movie theater, bringing them to churches. And if that's what it takes, amen, that's what it takes to get a hold of them. So again, we're all on this spiritual journey on our lives, and we need to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, what we need to do to get there. Amen? Here's what I do know. We can truly, or we cannot truly know the Lord unless we know His Word. Can I get an amen? amen. We, we cannot know Him. So if you don't, if you're not going back and either reading these or reviewing them or reading the Bible on your own, I promise you one thing, you're never going to develop a relationship with Him. It's never going to grow to the point of where He wants to walk with you and talk with you and, and be your wisdom and mentor every day. That's what God desires. He desires you to be part of that family and to bring you in and to walk with you. Be your strength, be your encouragement, remind you that He loves you every day. But you can't have that unless you're in His Word. So... I just wanted to throw that out there because I know as your pastor, I care for each and every one of you. And I do want to make sure you're, you're making those choices of, of investing your own time into his word. Because the Lord wants to develop a relationship with you. Amen? Amen. So real quickly, let's go back and recap. Just last week, we spoke about the Great Tribulation. Remember, the Great Tribulation is mentioned for a seven-year period. And Raquel, if you can find that chart, timeline... Again, uh, we spoke about the, the tribulation, which is right after the arrow there with the rapture, to the right of it. It's a period of seven years, the Bible describes. And we, we talked about the 144,000 mentioned in the Bible, the two witnesses, the number 666, and then finally God's judgment as He reigns His uh, judgment upon the people of earth at that time. And then the next thing that happened was the millennial reign. I just briefly touched on that last week, that at that point, when Armageddon happens, the Lord comes down and destroys the armies of the world at that time that had gathered against Israel. He destroys them. And then we, the Bible says, we, the saints. How many know that you're called a saint in the Bible? You know that? You're called a saint. A believer is called a saint. And we all go to be with Christ for a thousand years. A thousand years. And here's where I had stopped last week. That reign, that millennial reign, millennial meaning a thousand, we reign with him. Now, now the Bible says in Revelation that, in fact, on your outline, let's look at the scripture there in verse, or chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Let's read that. And um, 
It says here, I saw thrones, and they, the saints, sat on them. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They shall be priests of God and shall reign with him a thousand years. So there we are with Christ, reigning with him. The Bible describes, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we will be judges and rulers in heaven. The Bible describes that. Did you know that? You'll be judges and rulers with authority. Of course, the head of that, the bridegroom, is Christ himself. We are the church. We'll be in heaven with him. But here's the scripture that... Additionally, that I want to read to you. Um, it's found... Well, let me just read this to you. The, the result of this thousand years will be an unprecedented blessing. And what that means is that Jesus... Almighty God will restore the agriculture. He'll restore the animal life to conditions never seen since the Garden of Eden. And what I mean by that is the, the lion will lie next to the lamb. Um, the Bible talks about when Jesus comes back right at the Battle of Armageddon preceding the millennium, that there will be a great earthquake in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, that the Mount of Olives where he touches down there will be a huge earthquake that will split the mountain. And out of that mountain, it will create a valley and water, a river will begin to flow from Jerusalem through there and it will become green again. Garden of Eden is where Almighty God walked with His creation. You see, here, here's the whole thing about the Bible. You have all these 66 chapters in the Bible, or books of the Bible, but they all point to this one thing, that God desires to walk with you and I. He desires to have a relationship with you and I, just as He did with Adam and Eve in the garden. When you think about Genesis, the book of Genesis, and Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God, that was the fellowship that God designed. He wants to be personal. He wants to impact your life. He wants you to trust in Him. And that hasn't changed. That was his blueprint. And what's amazing here in these last days, he will take us back to that point, just like it was in Genesis. He's going to take us right back to that. And these are going to be people, you and I, that have chosen to live for him. The unbeliever, unfortunately, won't be there. It'll be those that choose him, that choose Christ. Again, God is a gentleman. He will never force you to do anything against your will. How many know that? You have free choice. You're, you're, free, agent, you're, you're a free agent to make choices for him or against him. So during this reign, we will be there with Christ for a thousand years. The Bible says that he binds Satan, this is where I left off last week, and he throws him into the abyss for a thousand years, and then he's loosed after those thousand years. And we're going to get to that. But um, the Lord, the Bible says, will comfort Jerusalem and make her wilderness like Eden. Again, scriptures found in Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 3. It'll be uh, bountiful, it'll be green. When I went to Israel, there's a lot of desert there in Israel. A lot of desert. But even in these last days, they're, they're becoming a leader in agri agriculture. Their fields are starting to turn green. Things that you've never ever seen there are starting to happen now. And that's pointing to this ultimate day as well. It's our Already happening there in preparation for his coming. The Bible says also 
in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 17 that Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall be gathered to it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem all the kings of the nations all the countries at that time will fall uh, and serve the Lord Jesus during that millennial reign. There won't be any wars during that reign. See, Satan is now gone. He's bound. And while the Bible doesn't mention it, um, it's, it's also inferred that his angels will also be bound. There won't be the demonic presence, the, the sinful presence that would attack you. And it'll just be one thing, though. You know what that one thing is that gets us mostly into trouble? We, we tend to say, the devil made me do it. I remember Flip Wilson back in the day, I remember that. The devil made me do it, right? No, a lot of times it's your stinking nature that makes you do it. It's your stinking nature, your carnal, your fleshly nature that makes you do dumb things. And we tend to blame it on the devil. We give him way too much credit, I believe. But that presence will be gone. And so during this thousand year reign, it will just be your nature that you'll have, I'm, and I'm talking about, let me step back again, I'm talking about those believers that are born in that period of time. So see, when we're raptured up, the rapture happened way back here in the timeline, before the tribulation, we'll have, the Bible says, perfected bodies. We'll have new bodies. We'll be raptured up with them. But the people that will be affected by what I'm talking about, about human nature, will be those believers that will be born in the world at that time. You see, there will still be population of people that will be born in the millennium. Now, those people are not perfected as the saints will be that were raptured. Okay, there's a distinction there. Because God's not done yet. See, in God's grace and His mercy, He's always wanting to give people a second chance, another chance. Have you figured that out yet? Yeah. Have, you, have you received that mercy, that grace in your life, yes. just like I have? And God's wanting to give our world another chance. So for those thousand years, really what He's saying is, okay, I've cleaned it all up, just like He did in the time of Noah. I've cleaned it all up. Now let's start again. Let's repopulate this earth, and let's see what happens. Now that I've straightened it all up. But you know, when we get to, at the end of the day, our, our stinking human nature gets in the way every single time. We make foolish choices. We make decisions that are, are not right when we look back on it because of our stinking nature. If left to our own devices, what the Bible says. And so that's what ends up happening here. But during the millennium, the Jesus will rule in partnership with the saints, with us. We will, we will be kings and priests. In Revelations chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. In addition, in Revelations 3, and verse 21, it says this, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Again, we've got to be careful with that. Not to say that we're going to be like Christ, we're going to be like God, but he'll put you in a position of authority for your belief here on this earth. That, to me, is just amazing. The Lord saying, here, I want to pour all this favor into your life, but all you've got to do is just walk with me. All you've got to do is just be obedient to me. How many know that we fall short? We All of us do. We fall short. That's why it's so important that when we do fall short, when we realize that, we say, Lord, forgive me. I need your help. I blew it. I blew it again. Well, the Lord is willing and just to forgive you of all your sins. Amen? He's done that for me. He can do that for you. The centerpiece of God's purpose 
It's bringing heaven and earth together. Again, think back to the beginning, Garden of Eden. That was heaven and earth together. It really was. They walked with God, it says, in the morning. They walked with Him. They, they fellowshiped with Him. I can, only, I can imagine Adam going, before he even had Eve, Hey, Lord, how's it going? What a great day. You know, just having a conversation. That's what God wants with you and I. He just wants to have a conversation. He doesn't want you to say, Oh Lord, how great thou art. You know, you're a mighty saint, you know. Yes, he is that, but he wants to have a talk with you. He wants to say, Wayne, how are you today? Tell me how you doing. Irene, how you doing? And he wants you to tell him back. Lord, I'm having a I'm having a tough day. I'm I'm trying to Name this big long animal with his long, long neck and these big ears, and I have no idea. And Lord might tell him, Well, you know, you ever think of the name like giraffe? You know, yeah, that sounds good. I'll name him giraffe. Because that was Adam's job, right? To name all the animals. Did you know that? He was supposed to name the animals. It was conversations like that that he had with the Lord. Lord, how did you do this? I mean, when I get to heaven, I've got lots of questions for the Lord. I've got lots of questions for him, for, for Peter, Paul, all these things that are just in my mind that I'd love to ask. But again, it's a relationship that he desires with you. And so here we are. God is going to bring heaven and earth together in the millennium. It's a snapshot of what we're ultimately going to see. Verse or chapter 1 of Ephesians, verses 9 and 10, it's in your outline, says this, Having made known to us the mystery, or the hidden plan of his will, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. See, the the centerpiece of God's eternal plan is Jesus. Amen? Jesus, to come back to establish his kingdom over all the earth and join the heavenly and the natural realms together. To join them together. This is the key understanding of end times. That's where we're going to be. God is joining the spiritual realm and the physical realm together. God's purpose has always been to live with His people on earth just as it was in the beginning. You're essentially going to be Adam and Eve all over again. You're going to be walking with Him, fellowshipping with Him every day. Who besides me is looking forward to that day? Amen? Are you looking forward to that day? Amen. That's going to be a great and mighty day. You can walk with Him, ask Him any questions you want. You will never feel fear, anxiety, loneliness, pressure, stress. Anybody ever feel those things? Of course not, right? You will never, ever feel those things again. All you will ever fear or feel will be love. I mean, that just... I can't imagine that. We can't comprehend that. But that's what you and I will be feeling when we are with Him. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He, Jesus, will dwell with them. Jesus will dwell with us. We will walk with Jesus. We will walk with Him and speak with Him and talk with Him. See, here's the thing. God created the world in two distinct realms. First is 
is earth, the physical realm, right? He created the, uh, this realm where human, physical, and um, sensation reach their fullest expression, right? But in heaven, this is the spiritual realm where God's power and presence are openly manifest. See, we, we just get glimpses of it here. We get slight glimpses of it, but nothing compared to what we will experience in heaven. How many know that? It's also the place, speaking of this heaven, that believers have gone for the last 2,000 years from the cross to the second coming. And here's the thing, when Jesus comes back to rule, the natural human processes will not be suspended during the millennium. They're not going to be suspended. He's bringing them together. He's molding them together, blending them together. The, the heavenly realm with the, with the natural realm. That is what we're going to see in the millennial reign. That's where the scriptures of that the lamb will lie with the lion. That a child will lie a baby like Inez will lie next to a, a snake and not a problem. I mean, we can't fathom that. We can't imagine that. But that's how it describes the millennial reign. There won't be any anger, any peace, not even amongst the animals. I mean, that's crazy to think of that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, He also presented himself alive after his suffering, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is uh, Jesus speaking here. In Luke chapter 23, uh, 24, the following is this, uh, describing the millennial reign. Behold my hands and feet. Handle me and see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. What I mean by describing the description of the millennial reign is, that's the kind of body that you and I are going to have in the millennial reign. See, when Jesus was resurrected, this is an example where he's speaking to his disciples here on this earth. He still ate. He still ate. I believe that we're going to be just like that in heaven. We will still be able to eat. How many can say amen? Amen. amen. There will be Texas Roadhouse Steakhouses up in heaven. Amen. And, uh, and much, much more. And we will be able to enjoy eating. So that's going to be a, something that we can experience there. I love to eat. Yes. And um, we, will, we will enjoy that up there as well. So there isn't, because a lot of times we tend to think, well, when we get to heaven, I've heard people say this, we're going to become angels. No, that was the connection question. I'm sorry to break your heart today, but you are not going to become an angel. Your wife, your spouse might be an angel now, but she's not going to become an angel or he's not going to become an angel in heaven. That, that is not correct. We become, we're saints. The angels are already created. Those are God's chosen special vessels. But you and I do not become angels when we pass on. Okay? I just want to make sure you understand that. The Bible never ever mentions we, you and I, becoming angels in heaven. Okay? So, again, going back to, to um, this millennial, I want to point out this thing here. As Gentile believers, which you and I are, anybody other than a Jewish person is a Gentile. I don't care what, what ethnicity you are. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Our most natural perspective is to think of worshiping Jesus as God in the supernatural realm. You see, sometimes we think, we get to heaven, we're just going to be floating, you know, on a cloud somewhere. No. It says we'll walk streets of gold. We'll have our renewed bodies. 
We won't have those extra 10, 20 pounds holding us down. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to be able to rejoice up there and with immortal bodies. Bodies that will never die, that will never get sick, that will never cry or shed a tear. Amen? I mean, we just can't imagine that type of situation. But here's the, I want to share with you the Jewish viewpoint, the paradigm. Here it is. Their viewpoint is to think of reigning with a human king in the natural conditions. Did you know that throughout the Old Testament, the Jewish people always considered, and they still do to this day, that their Messiah will come back to reign here on this earth. See, they're still looking for that Messiah. They denied that Jesus Christ was that Messiah. They're still looking for a physical reigning king, a Messiah to come. And what God does in His mercy and grace, He's combining the two. He's combining what we look at, the spiritual realm of reigning with Him in this, in this supernatural place, and taking the Jewish viewpoint of reigning here on this physical earth, and He's combining the two. That is what we will experience in the millennial reign. Amen. So, who are the people that are going to be living there in the millennium? Well, let me tell you. Number one, it's the redeemed. You and I, those that were raptured during the midpoint of the tribulation. Remember we talked about the rapture happens at the three and a half year point of those seven years of tribulation. God takes His people, snatches them away, and takes them to be with Him forever and ever. And then there's going to be what we call the resistors. Because see, here's what happens in the tribulation. The Bible says, yes, you can come to know the Lord, but here's the problem. God's presence is removed from the earth at that time. Number one, it's going to become increasingly hard to come to know the Lord. The scripture says that people will become beheaded. They will be beheaded <coughs> Excuse me, to follow after Christ. We can see that happening now in our day and age. People are declaring their faith in the Middle East right now and losing their head over that literally. No pun intended. These people will become martyrs. And the Bible says in the tribulation, remember we talked about how you'll be forced to take a mark on your, on your right forehand or your forehead. The Bible describes that. It's the mark of, the, of, the, of Satan, the mark of the beast. And if you refuse to take that, the Bible says you will be beheaded. I mean, that's, there's no options there. Here, you can take the mark or you don't have to. Well, what's the option? You get your head cut off. Because what you're really saying is, I don't believe in that system. Remember I mentioned, you don't want to take the mark. It's do not pass go, you go straight to hell. You do. That's what the Bible says. So, again, it's going to be people that have survived that, that will be resurrected and living in the millennium at that time. And then, um, what's also going to happen is natural uh, human beings that are not yet redeemed will be living at that time. They will be living at that time. They're not, they're not uh, in their supernatural bodies as you and I will be at that time. And I want to say redeemed bodies, okay? We're our raptured bodies. So that's who will be living in the world at that time. Jesus will rule the millennial earth for a thousand years that has both natural and spiritual dimensions. He'll blend them together. The supernatural element element is seen in the length of life to be restored as it was in Noah's time. For example, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 60, 
verses 20 through 25. It says the following, For the child shall die 100 years old. Again, I'm not talking about those that have been raptured and redeemed. We already have our bodies that are going to live forever. I'm talking about those that are naturally born during this time. The Bible says that if a child dies at 100, it's just barely getting started. Because see, the times of Noah, they lived to be six, 700 years old. Up to even a thousand years old, the Bible says Methuselah was the oldest living person on the in the world. But uh, it goes on to say this: "But the sinner, being one hundred years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and they shall plant vineyards. As the days of a tree, so shall the days of my people. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together." Animosity between animals and humans will disappear during the millennium. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Saying that a little child will just lead those animals and not have a problem. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. I mean, it's a whole different world at that time. Amen? I mean, that, that just gives you a little quick snapshot of what's to come. And here's the other side of it. Jesus' government, because he will become the, the, the king of that time, of the, of the world at that time. All the world will look to him for direction. It will spread to all nations. The natural process of life will continue in, in death and in being born and so forth. Uh, everywhere. And the Bible says in Isaiah, this is where this prophecy comes true. How many remember this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His kingdom to order it and establish it with just judgment and justice from the time forward even forever. Many people will come from Jerusalem, the Bible says, at that time. Jerusalem will be the center point of worship. That is where Jesus will reside there. His presence will be there and everybody will come there to worship Him, to come and praise Him, to live there. We will be part of that as believers. We will be part of that. So you've never been to Israel? Your day's coming. You will be there. Amen? Here's what we'll be doing also as priests and kings. The Bible says we have two functions. You will be priests and kings in the millennium. Not my words, the Bible's words. It says this, uh, Saints with resurrected bodies will be made kings and rulers over different spheres of life. The, The Bible says in Revelation 5 verse 10, Having made us kings and priests to our God, we shall reign on this earth. Now that that shouldn't be the reason you want to go to heaven because you're going to be a a king or have some sort of power to rule over a certain area. That's what it's describing. You'll be given authority, kind of like I would have pictured like a governor, like a you know somebody has a territory to rule over. To much to whom much is given, much is required. The Bible says, and I believe that some of us will be able to to have that and. Um, That's what the Bible says. That we will also, it says this, Do you know that the saints will judge the world? Do you know that we shall judge angels? The Bible says that. Not my words. And that's just amazing to me that God puts us in control of certain situations like that. Again, this is all a quick snapshot. There is so much that's going on here that uh, we'd be here for months to describe it all. Seriously. The saints, you and I, will occupy the highest position of government in the spirit on the millennial earth. 
This will be a parallel to the relationship of angels in the government of the nations of this age. Jesus will rule worldwide. We will be under his, his uh, dominion. Amen? Kings of the earth, excuse me, we will become like kings of the earth, the Bible says. And again, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Luke 19, verse 17, you were faithful in a very little, and you'll have authority over ten cities. I mean, that's just amazing. God is, God is giving you, granting to you power and authority in the millennial reign. And then here's the next point. What are we going to be doing there? Okay, so now we're here in millennial reign. Millennial reign. What are we doing there? Well, the Bible describes a couple of things. It says the ruling and judging, but also the saints will worship God. That is our primary purpose right there. And I don't want to lose sight of this because here's, here's what I do want to point out. If you're struggling to worship God here, in the here and now, in the physical... It's not going to get any easier for you on that side. So I would encourage you, Lord, give me a spirit of worship. Lord, help me to develop a spirit of worship if, you, if you're not there yet, if you don't feel like you're there. Because that's what we're going to be doing in heaven. We're going to be doing a lot of praising, a lot of worshiping. True believers love to worship God. Just put that out there right now. True believers love to worship God. Do you catch yourself when that song comes on at home? Or maybe you sing in the shower. Maybe you're singing in the car. You're just worshiping God. You catch yourself doing that? Why? Because true believers love to worship God. Amen? Amen. Loving to be in the presence of Christ should come naturally to each of you as believers. It should come naturally. Worship will be a major activity in the millennial reign. But here's the other side of that. Have you noticed that not all of us worship the same? See, God didn't make cookie-cutter Christians. Uh, I look around the room right here, and there's not one person that looks like the next person in this room. We're all different and unique, thanks to our God. And it's the same thing when it comes to worship. Some of us like that, you know foot stomping, hand clapping, raising you know, the roof, running around type of worship. Others like the more mellow worship. You know, there's a, there's a balance there, but the bottom line is this, God wants you to worship. Because if, if you don't, here's what the Bible says about that. He will cause the stones and the rocks to cry out and worship Him. If you don't, He will cause creation to worship Him. I believe creation worships them every day that we look out. You look out at the beautiful skies that we see in the evening, the beautiful sunsets we've been having this year. I, I can't recall ever seeing such beautiful sunsets as this year. I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like this, this past year, this past three months especially, we've had some amazing, amazing sunsets. That's God's creation crying out and worshiping Him right there. It's saying, Behold the glory of God. In this, have, have you ever done that? Just looked and said, wow, Lord, that's a great job. That's awesome. That's creation worshiping the Creator. Amen. I truly believe that. So we will worship God there. We will certainly express ourselves to God in one way or another. And, and now I want to get to the, uh, to the final state of the righteous and the wicked. So here's where it gets interesting. At the end of those thousand years... The Bible says in Revelations chapter 20, verses 7 through 8, Satan will be released from prison, from the abyss, and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. 
Satan is released from prison. He's let go. I mean, why in the world would God do that? He's allowing the, the one that persecutes Christians and releasing them? I mean, the first time I ever read that as a believer, I'm thinking, what's going on here? What are you doing, Lord? But here's, here's the thing. Ever since creation, ever since the Garden of Eden, God desires us to make a choice. We are free agents, right? We have, we have a, the capacity to choose, and He wants you to choose Him. At the end of the day, He wants you to choose Him. Unlike Adam and Eve that listened to the serpent, who was Satan at that time, they listened to Him and believed Him rather than God, and there was a consequence for that. But God wants His creation to experience and have free will. Free will requires that humans have choices. So again, he's saying, all right, I'm going to give the world now that's repopulated again. A thousand years have gone by. The world's become populated. Probably not to the extent that we are now with, what is it, 8 billion people on this earth right now? Probably not to that point. But there will be a, a many, many, many people in this world, and he wants to give them another choice. He wants them to ultimately pick him. Amen? So God desires, what he's telling us is, he desires the love and obedience of each of you, doesn't he? He wants you to choose him. He wants you to choose him. Yet he wants that love to come from the heart, not because you had no other choice. He wants it to come from your heart. Have you heard me say this? Lord, help us to open our hearts today. Have you ever heard me say that? That's where it starts. It starts in your heart. If you don't open your heart and you have a hardened heart, Lord can't touch that. That's where that song song comes from. You can't touch this. But you have to have an open heart. You have to have truly an open heart to Him. And that's where the Lord can do mighty and amazing things. Amen? So here's what happens. At the end of those thousand years, Satan is released. And Satan goes about and does Satan's business. The Bible says he gathers all the nations of the earth together one last time. Those that have slowly over time chosen their human and carnal choices and rebelled against God. Because they will. They will. They'll rebel against God. And he gathers them together against Jerusalem for one final battle. The Bible describes this. And of course, we know that Satan is no match for God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 9 says this. They marched across the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. That is God's almighty way of destroying those nations that come against him and against us at that time. He destroys them with fire out of heaven. And Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 says this, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's their final demise right there. That's their final destination. And as my brother says, hell ain't no joke. That's the place that was created for the devil and his angels and ultimately those that rebel against God. I mean, that scripture should grip you. When you hear those words, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. I've heard pastors say this out of, out of the word of God. If it takes scaring the living hell out of you, then that's what it takes. 
um, that's not what I try to preach here. I try to preach God's love, you know, because ultimately that's what wins. Love wins every single time. But sometimes we need hell scared out of us, literally. Amen? So here's what happens next. The unbelieving dead shall be all resurrected. So now it's judgment time. Remember, the Bible says that all will be judged. So now think back to all those criminals that you've heard about in past times from in history, from Nero to modern, you know, Hitler, Mussolini, you name them, uh, to our modern times, Jim Jones, David Koresh, Charlie Manson, all the, 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 the garbage that you've heard of mass murders, they, along with every unbeliever, will now be resurrected. The Bible says that every tongue will confess, every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many have read that scripture before? That includes those unbelievers. God will raise them because they've been in, in this place since they died just waiting for a resurrection. Now they're going to be resurrected to face their judgment. And God will, I believe it'll be a, a snapshot. He'll, he'll portray everything that they did in disobedience to Him. And they will not be able to argue against that. I really believe somehow some film strip or something is going to portray in their minds. They will be able to see all the things that they did in disobedience to the King of Kings. And He will judge them guilty as the judge and slam His gavel down guilty and straight to hell their ultimate demise, just like the devil and his angels. But they will all be forced to say, Jesus, you are Lord, just like the Bible says. Everyone will have to confess it, including Hitler, including Manson. All of them, all of them will have to do it. Jesus is that judge seated on the great white throne. I want to read these scriptures to you in Revelation chapter 20 and verses 11 through 15. Chapter 20, verses 11, 15, under the final judgment on your outline. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. And verse 15, here's the, here's the verse. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. That is a scripture right there that ultimately unbelievers will face if, they're, if they don't come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. That's why it's imperative that you and I invite people to church to help them develop a relationship with Christ. I want to see them saved. I don't want to see them lost. I don't want to see them go a day without knowing God. Amen. We have to bring these people in. We have, we have those little pocket powers Take those, just give them to somebody. Invite them. Let the Holy Spirit speak to them when they're here. And let God minister to them. If we're not careful, here's the problem. We tend to think that only evil mass murderers and serial rapists and child molesters are going to face final judgment. But listen to what God's Word says. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving 
the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You notice how God put liars right there? Liars. I mean, we tend to think it's just these bad people that make the headlines. We've got to be careful, people. We've got to be careful. That's a reason why we need to make sure that people hear the gospel. We need to pass that message on to people that are dying today spiritually. People are dying today and not knowing Christ. Amen. As I close this morning, I do want to, I couldn't close without giving you a snapshot of our final destination, which is called, the Bible calls it the New Jerusalem. This is heaven forever and ever and ever. Okay, it's not a thousand year reign, it's not a ten thousand year, it's forever. Everybody say forever. Forever. The New Jerusalem. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is, sinf- what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Amen. This morning, is it? Well, it should be. As a believer, it is. If you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have no fear. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is written down there. Here's what the Apostle John describes, because the Bible doesn't describe too much of heaven, of, of what we're going to see. It doesn't do a lot of that. It spends a lot of time on the judgment, because I believe God is just going to amaze us with what we see up in heaven. We, we cannot even think or imagine what we're going to see. Now, we know Jesus' last words before he ascended. He said, I'm going to... A, to prepare a place for you, Dan. I'm going to, to build your mansion, Betty. He's going to build that. And he's doing that right now. I can only think and imagine what it could look like, but he's going to amaze us, right? But here's what it says. The new Jerusalem will descend to earth. The, the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven from my God in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12. God will dwell on the new earth with his people. He will finally be there where the Bible says every eye will see him. We will behold him. Did you know that there's not going to be a sun? There's not going to be any sunlight. God Almighty will be the light that we need. There will be no darkness. No dark. So then that begs the question, well, how are we going to sleep? Because I need that darkness to help me go. To, I don't know. God's got all that figured out up in heaven. Will we need to sleep? Who knows? We don't know that. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, the Bible says. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Those of us that are in pain physically, emotionally, spiritually, that will be no more. No more pain. Just close your eyes right now and just try to picture that. Lord, no more pain. No more pain for our brothers and sisters here that have gone through surgeries recently. Those that are struggling emotionally with pain. Lord, all that is gone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Bible also says this. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. All of us have had loved ones pass away, and it's never easy. Even if they're a believer, we know that they've gone on to be with the Lord. It's never easy to say goodbye to a loved one. There will be no more of that. No one will pass anymore. No one will pass. There will be no shedding of tears, no pain, no mourning. 
There was no temple in this city because God is now the temple. God is the temple. We now go to Him. Well, there's no reason to build a temple as they did in the time of, of, of the Old Testament. In the time in the millennial reign, which I didn't even mention, they will have a temple that we will worship God in there. God's presence will be there. He will be there. But there will still be a temple there. Well, in the New Jerusalem, which is heaven, there will be no need for a temple because God Almighty will reside there. Amen? And here finally... Verse 21 and verse 5, or chapter 21 and verse 5, I love this. A voice from the throne says, I make everything new. Everybody say, I make everything new. I make everything new. That is so beautiful to start all over, which is God's, God's plan. He's starting all over. And he makes everything new. Now, here's what the Bible does describe heaven like. The city shines with brilliance like precious jewels. The Bible mentions over 12 different jewels in heaven. So we already know it mentions that asphalt. We know asphalt here is just asphalt, right? Well, heaven's asphalt is gold, all right? The streets of gold are made. Streets of gold, you know, they don't have asphalt. So apparently gold isn't that high up on the list. It's just asphalt, right? That's how beautiful heaven's going to be. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. The Bible describes it shining with its brilliance, its light, crystal-like. The city had no need for sunlight. There will be no night there. Nothing impure will ever enter the city. A city with streets paved with gold. The city is huge. Not only is it huge this way, it's huge upward. Upward, there's, there's different uh, layers, the Bible describes, in this city. It will have sufficient room for all believers who have ever lived. All believers who have ever lived will reside in this great city of God. And the Bible says a river flows from the throne of God. So at the throne of God, there's a river. I believe that's part of the river of life. The Bible mentions this river of life that flows out of Him, out of the King of Kings. And we will see that river of life, that river flowing through. Has anybody here ever read those books or seen the movies of, of those, that one child that went to heaven? Um, I forget the name of the book. Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real, thank you. Problem you get when you're over 39 like me. You tend to forget things. But at any rate, some of those descriptions of heaven are very similar to what other people have seen. They describe things in heaven that I believe they have captured a glimpse of. I mean, I know heaven is for real. And I believe God allows certain people to capture a glimpse. And they come back changed. They come back transformed to share that message, to, to encourage you that there is a day coming. Now, whether we you know, face a natural death here, whether we're, we're raptured before that, all I know is we have a great reward in heaven one day. All of us as believers. Can I get an amen? amen? This is our eternal reward, the Bible says. Our ultimate destination. See, our destination isn't, isn't Clydesdale Drive where I live at in Vallejo. It's not here in American Canyon if you live in American Canyon. That's not your ultimate destination. Your ultimate destination, your eternal reward is in the new Jerusalem with Almighty God. He desires to walk with you, to be with you personally, one-on-one. -on -one. He desires to know you. He desires you to know Him. And right now we have that opportunity through His Word. 
If we know His Word, we know Him. If we don't know His Word, we don't know Him. That's our mission, to know Him. Now, before we close this morning, I want to give you a homework assignment this week. Okay, I, did I put it on there? Yes, I did. Homework assignment this week is I want you to read Revelations chapter 20, which describes this new heaven and this new earth, the new Jerusalem. And it gives you a snapshot. I want you to see it unfold. And I want you, when you're reading that, begin to picture that in your mind as you're reading these words. And imagine, catch a glimpse of what your eternal reward will be like. Amen? Amen.